1: Welcome to SEN Fridays in the Top End, 16, 11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin, we will love your listing. A very different show this morning. Normally we have... Robbie Hale and Raf Clark alongside us in the studio, but we have a new person, new for our listeners, our loyal listeners, but not new for myself. It is a very accomplished man in the fitness industry, Jacob Andre. Jacob, we've teamed up before on radio previously, but what's keeping you busy these days?
0: Yeah, Jackson, thank you for having me again. Good morning. We were back on balls and all. It feels like we've resurrected it a little bit this morning, (laughs) so it's good to be here on Fridays in the Top End.
1: It is, mate. So, obviously, a school teacher by trade. Tell us about what grade you're teaching, what school you're at, and what, what you're doing currently in the fitness industry.
0: Yeah, school teacher by trade, teaching at Darwin High School, high school grade 10, 11, 12. What am I doing in the fitness industry? Far out, I've done heaps of stuff. Everything? Yeah, well, I've worked with the Crows women for the last three seasons, the Darwin based girls, Danielle Ponter and Jasmine Hewitt, Steve Lee Thompson when she's in town. Uh, I'm um, working with a few athletes, um, sprinters, Jess Paris, Robin Wadham, some long-distance runners, local football clubs, Wanderers and Palmerston, yeah, heaps. And, uh, of course, I've taught you back in the day, back in middle school.
1: Oh, mate, there's a few stories about that. We might even get into <laughs> a few of them later. I tell you, the biggest spray I've ever caught from anyone, a a coach or, or anyone like that, was from you when I was in line. And the and the awkward thing about that was... I think it was a it was a case of mistaken identity. And you sprayed me one time and I got sent to the reflection room, which is where all the naughty kids go. And, and I'm sure they've heard this plenty of time, but they said, oh, what did you do wrong? And I said, like, nothing, like genuinely nothing. I think there was mistaken identity. So I wasted an hour of my favourite lesson of the week, PE, <laughs> and had to come back. And it was, it was awkward for all of us, Jacob, but we did get through that. We come out the other side. You what, the happened? G-
0: what happened? Do you remember what happened?
1: Yeah, no, well, I was literally just in line. I think the people behind me were mucking around and pushing and shoving and all that sort of stuff and um, I got caught in the crossfire. I'm always innocent, Jacob, you know that. But you are the go-to man for uh, advice around health, fitness, diet, training programs. You mentioned your list of athletes before. If you could sort of pinpoint a couple who you're most excited to work with over the last couple of years, um, I suppose Jasmine Hewitt is topical, given that she's fresh off a Williams medal for best on ground again. Uh, Who who would you earmark as, as some of the better athletes you've worked with? Oh,
0: man, that's like asking, a, who's, your, who's favorite your favorite kid? kid? <laughs> um, well, of course, it's pretty exciting to have worked with the Crows. You know, they've won three premierships out of the last seven mm-hmm. seasons. Uh, and so Danielle Ponter and Jazz Hewitt yeah. are amazing athletes. Um, I'm really excited about working with some up-and-coming footy players who are looking to get drafted into the AFLW, Kira Lee Parnell, mm-hmm. Kira Zarafa, who played in the uh, grand final for Warratars on the weekend. Uh, yeah, those two are two that come to mind without trying to sound like I'm picking a favourite child. Um, <laughs> the, the two that I mentioned, the, the two sprinters, Jess Paris and Robin Wadham, I'm really excited about. Uh, Robin's a 400 metre runner and Jess is 200. Uh, and then a whole bunch of long distance runners. I, I won't go through everyone, but um, El Shembry is one who's running the Westmax Monster, the 25 kilometres in Central wow. Australia. Um, that's so imagine doing more 25 than kilometers. twenty-five kilometres. So a half mar- that far? A half marathon is twenty-one, and she's going to do more than that, and go up hills and across, you know, rocks and in river river beds like the Todd River through sand. I'm presuming I'm not sure, but it's like crazy.
1: Happy birthday too for the other day, the big forty. Does life feel any different as a forty-year-old?
0: Uh, actually feels better. Ooh. Yeah, it, it's uh, I feel promising. happier, healthier, fitter and stronger than I've ever been. And yeah, turning 40 on Monday and had a pretty big weekend um, on the weekend and st- woke up, you know, not feeling too bad. So yeah, still able to sort of run around like I'm 30.
1: You also have a successful podcast, uh, 50 plus episodes in, if I'm not mistaken. You recently spoke to... Mitch Greaves, did I get his name right? Yeah. Uh, the head of strength and conditioning at the Hawthorne Football Club.
0: What insights did you get from him? Oh, Mitch is amazing. So he actually is a strength and conditioning coach, or he refers to himself as athletic performance coach, which I do prefer that title myself better. Mm. And he, he's the athletic performance coach for Taylor Harris. And oh, so yep. obviously um, very well-known AFLW player. He used to work at Carlton uh, with the AFLW side. He's now at Hawthorne because of the connections that you make. And uh, so they sort of dragged him across, poached him, and he's working with a whole bunch of those ath- those athletes. So he was, of course, with Dominic Carbone, who was at Buffalo's playing with Hawthorne and Eliza Shannon, who was at St. Mary's, and both have now left the club. Uh, but yeah, he the biggest insights I got from him were just in terms of working with female athletes and changing things. So I really liked his traffic light system of you know green, yellow, red in terms of in a with women and menstrual cycles and i talked about uh, menstrual cycles and performance with kurt vogel on the podcast and kurt vogel is in queensland and he, he well, the thing that mitch was saying was that he will do a green light week where it's we go hard mm-hmm. and then two yellow light weeks typically it doesn't always happen like that where you sort of sort of average out a little bit more until medium weeks and then a red light week where you need to drop it back and That's the same as periodization with men, but you just need to be a little bit more considerate of it with women and menstrual cycles and using RPE based which is rate of perceived exertion, as opposed to percentage based and that sort of uh, intensity training
1: that is very scientific jacob i do like that uh, because that was my next question how do you compare working with female athletes compared to the males i suppose you've you've spoken more from a physiological side of things what about uh the motivation side Uh, we had rick nolan on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago i'm hoping to get him back again tonight today this morning but he uh said basically that you know there might not be as much room as as that big spray as there once was when he was coaching younger males and stuff like that. Um, And and he just has to handle things a little bit differently, obviously. Um, Yeah, you could listen to Rick's interview a couple of weeks ago if you want to know all of his insights. But I'm wondering now for yourself, Jacob, how does it compare working with female athletes compared to males?
0: Yeah, well, I actually really love it. And I really love Rick Nolan. He's an amazing Mm. coach of men and women. And I think he's... Some men, I think, struggle with the transition from uh, sort of male coaches, that is, from men's into women's, and mm. Rick is someone who's done it phenomenally well. Obviously, he's just won a premiership. Yeah, uh speak for themselves. But uh, in terms of working with women, yeah, you do probably need to be a little bit more relational, and yeah. you need to be, uh, you know, you say there's not as much place for a spray as what there once was, and... I don't even know if there's much...
1: That's probably females and males at this stage. It's probably just a changing generation.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, And I think it's a lot more... And you see that right from the AFL down Mm. through to local leagues. And I just think you have to be much more...
1: Even in teaching, you know, to personalise it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's less of that hard teacher, bloody crack the whip type (laughs) situation. Certainly. But, hey, what are the biggest fitness components uh, that local footballers or footballers in general tend to neglect? Is it weight training, speed work, recovery? Is there anything that you've noticed in particular?
0: Running technique, man. Running technique. Easy. What's the number one thing you do in a game of footy? It's got to be running. Running, basketball, netball, all of it. And so I think not enough people do enough work on the actual running technique. So if you look at strength and conditioning, which come first, the chicken or the egg? Mm. You you could argue till you're black and blue in the face. The chicken or the egg came first. But when it comes to strength and conditioning, strength comes first, then conditioning. The conditioning is all your running stuff that you do. And so with your strength, which underpins that, you've also got technique. So you've got technique in terms of kicking the ball, but you've got technique in terms of skills like running. Running is a skill. And so... Technique sits in between the two. You need the strength to be able to do what you're going to ask of your body technically, but you also need the strength to be able to ask of your, to, for your body to be able to do the conditioning stuff, to do all the running. So I see a lot of athletes come to me, particularly male athletes, asking to do strength training. They want to get stronger so they can jump higher, run faster. But they don't often consider techniques. So once we start to do some stuff around technique, that's where they get the big massive jumps mm. and improvement and they're able to run for longer, easier, and they are able to run faster. So definitely... Assuming injury prevention as well. Oh, and that's massive. Yeah, yeah. So and strength underpins all that stuff as well. The strength mm. stuff, that end range strength stuff is crazy. That's the stuff. So I worked with Ryan Nighouse, yeah. Um and that was the biggest thing that he said that he got in his post-AFL career with, with Fremantle was that, That end range strength stuff, he just felt so loose, he felt so good, but he also felt so strong. So on the one hand, you've got the athletic performance, but on the other hand, you've got the really bulletproofing your body, the injury Mm -hmm. prevention.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one, that one, because I suppose Devil's Advocate, I know there was a time there where uh, Surioli for Hawthorne, they were trying to change his running technique because he kept having those soft tissue injuries, and all the criticism came about saying, hey, the guy's been running since he was two years old, you know, it's too late to change a guy's technique in the 20s, or or a female's technique in the as they're in their 20s. Is that true, or do you think that adjustments can be made?
0: Oh, for sure, adjustments can be made, and uh, I'm going to sound like I'm name-dropping here, but... When I, yeah, when I was working with Palmerston, with Palmerston, Aaron Davy had just retired from a footy and he came back and played and I was running some extra sessions at the track and he came down to those sessions and I was teaching him some running technique stuff. Mm. And a lot of the time they don't get time in the AFL to work on that. They expect they've already got that by the time they get to that point. And by that point, by the time they go into an AFL system... They're then needing to put size on them initially as 18, 19 year olds. Then they're trying to get them strong, and then they're just trying to get them to be able to run out games. Because as you know, the AFL competition right now, it's they're running athletes. And so, uh, the thing that Aaron said was, "I wish I knew this at the start of my AFL career." Thank you so much for teaching me this stuff. So it's certainly not too late to be able to, um, to do work on that. And you know what? That's a mindset of a professional athlete, of someone who is a high-performing mm. athlete or person who at the age in his, you know, whatever he was at the time, early 30s or whatever when he uh, retired, is that he was still trying to find ways to improve his performance even coming back from the AFL into the NTFL system.
1: Yeah, we'll put a bit of a local spin on that. So the question I had for you, I think, would put you on the spot a little bit too much. It was your Facebook bio says, I teach people all the tips, tricks, and actionable strategies to live a life of health and happiness. And then I was going to say, could you give us a tip, trick, or actionable strategy right now? But then I'm going to let's put a personalized thing on it. Let's say the City to Surf, right? One of Darwin's biggest events is coming up. If there was someone starting from scratch, or perhaps someone like me who you know plays a bit of local football, but I'm not, not a great runner, what would be your advice uh, a couple of months out from the City to Surf?
0: A couple of months out would be – well, it's probably a little bit – technique stuff takes some time to work yeah. through. And so muscles take generally about three months to remold and tendons take about seven months. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about technique stuff, you're really talking about a lot of stuff to do with tendons and tendon strength. So you probably don't have time for that. Uh, not to say not to do that. I would certainly would still do that. But the biggest thing I think would be Swimming. That is oh, the wow. biggest bang for buck. So when Didn't I was that. no, well, when I was like, um, so I did athletics and I was you know running four hundreds and stuff back in the day in yeah. my teenage years, and early twenties, and then I then yep. I left in my left that in my early twenties and then went into footy, and I was playing with Wanderers when Mark Motlob was coaching, yep. and I went and did two sessions in the pool, and I took my beep test from mid elevens, which was my best three to fourteen two really of just swimming. How much swimming are you talking? Like literally. Ten laps, two times a week. But it was the hypoxia stuff. So it was extending out your breathing um, and doing all that controlled breathing. So breathing every three strokes and that sort of thing. It was, I couldn't believe it. I started to do some research into it. I can talk about it later if you want. But there is some physiological changes that are occurring inside the body, which allows that to that aerobic capacity to improve dramatically. So at this point, yeah, definitely you need to be running. Um, I would be doing some strength training. You mm-hmm. need to do some running-specific strength training You know, for your quads, hamstrings, calves. I don't think people work their calves enough wow. or their lower legs, um, tibialis anterior as well, which is the front of your shin, and then the swimming. Like The swimming's got to be in there.
1: Cool. You've convinced me I'm going to get the goggles <laughs> on and get into a pool. It doesn't help that Casarina that Pool's closed, but uh, I'll, I'll get around to Nycliffe. Hey, plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end. We've got. We're hearing from Michael Voss and Chris Scott. Plenty of uh, audio from last night's thrilling game at the MCG. We do need to talk about the NTFL Grand Finals in which Waratah broke a premiership drought and much more to come. Stay tuned to SCN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. No Robbie, Hale, or Raph Clark in the studio today, but we are joined by the fitness guru, Jacob Andre who has worked with local athletes and national athletes. Of course, he's done a lot of great work with the Adelaide Crows AFLW team. Jacob, do you get around the Darwin Salties, our NBL One basketball team? I've never been to a game, but I noticed you have helped out Jamie Lee Paris, who is one of the most recent signings for the women's
0: team. Yeah, Jamie Lee came to me late last year in 2022 and asked if I could help her uh, to sign with them. And so... I was very excited to see that recent signing of her with them as a centre. So she is a nice big body that I think they really needed, the Salties. Mm. I haven't seen any games in Darwin, but I have in Brisbane. I went to watch them play the men's and the women's, uh, the Capitals, in Flower, Brisbane. And it was <laughs> it's seriously a really exciting event. If anyone gets the opportunity, go down to one of these games because the way they put it on is awesome
1: i was gonna say that like obviously that ties into my next question i'm gonna have to get behind them this season you'd have to imagine the atmosphere at the old dba center would be pretty good are they generating good crowds
0: yeah they are um and i just love the way that they get it they get around it like the way they do at the top as like the highest levels where you know they play play the music and and the lights and all that kind of thing and and darwin Not that I've been to one of the games live, but I've seen videos from Mm. people where they've been talking about, where they've showed the atmosphere and it's crazy good.
1: We're going to have to talk about that a little bit after a break, but do you think they're the closest team uh, in the Northern Territory to getting a team at the elite level, say the NBL?
0: You mean more so than like in footy?
1: Yeah, more so than footy, soccer, like A-League, AFL.
0: Yeah, probably actually. I, I've never actually thought about You'd have that. have to think
1: the NBL is more achievable, wouldn't Yeah,
0: you? I think so. I think it would be, especially with the, this NBL 1 competition. I mm. think it would be.
1: Yeah. Oh Plenty to talk about later. This is SCN Fridays in the top and we do need to go to a quick break. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Listen to us on 16 11 a.m. or via the SEN app. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SEN Top End. Jacob, we were just talking about the Darwin salties, and I love the branding. They have quite good colours, despite straying from the traditional Territory ochre, black and white. The saltwater crocodile is a good, fierce animal. But let's go back to AFL for a while, because we definitely don't talk enough footy on this uh, show. But (laughs) what do you think the Territory AFL team, the future Territory AFL team, would be called? Surely it would just have to be the Thunder.
0: Yeah, it's got to be Thunder. That was the first thing that came to mind. That or Lightning, but I reckon Thunder. You stick with what they've got and... I mean, really a
1: bit of an established brand
0: Exactly yeah they've got all that stuff there so I think and the people like that I think it likes it works well and when they play ACDC's Thunderstruck mm. like when they come out like you can't oh, yeah. beat
1: it yeah I think the only competition for that would be maybe the Buffaloes like the rep teams called the Buffaloes um, but I think it was when they were rumored like when Gold Coast were going to come in there was a bit of a rumor that they might be called the Gold Coast Sharks and a few like people that didn't like Southport Sharks who are the biggest club on the Gold Coast got angry and possibly that could happen with the territory locals uh, calling a team the Buffaloes when you've got one of the most polarizing footy clubs up there, the Buffaloes. Um, so. I I reckon that could rub up a few people the wrong way. The crocodiles could potentially be like, you know, not the you wouldn't call it the territory salties, but you could call them the territory crocodiles. Maybe there was the townful crocodiles in the NBL, but yeah, who knows? I hope it. I hope it happens one day. I hope these these dreams can become a reality. Another break. We have the news coming up and many more to come on SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horne Darwin. <laughs> Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Holland Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Jacob, it was an interesting, a high standard NTFL grand final last Saturday. Waratah have finally broken a 22-year premiership drought to win this season's NTFL premiership. The Warriors 10-10-70 defeated Southern District 7-10-52 at TIO Stadium. Look, plenty of good players for Waratah. I thought Jack O'Sullivan, the defender, was great. Somewhat lucky to play in the grand final after escaping a three-match ban, having that overturned. Ed Morris, a defensive midfielder, was excellent. Adam Gould, the brother of Errol Goulden from Sydney, was great with 19 disposals and a couple of goals. Two great goals in the first quarter. A-Bankers only had the 16 disposals, but was very influential. It was a low-possession game, which we often see in the NTFL grand final, so you wouldn't be expecting the big 25-30 possession games. Southern Districts' Matt Dennis won the Cheney Medal, and he was excellent. There are always a few eyebrows raised when someone from a losing team is judged best on ground, but the statistics tell the story: 20 disposals, 43 hitouts, and up the top in a number of other statistical categories. He was simply amazing and deserved that Cheney Medal. Look, I'm sure the Waratah boys celebrated long and hard, as you do when you win a flag, and there were some ripping Mad Monday costumes going around. (laughs) None better than Jaden Magro, the small forward, who went as Kieran the Wiz Parnell, or the Boogeyman, as we dubbed him uh, on the show. He... so. A bit of a context for that. Parnell held Magro to just five disposals in a game late in the season but Magro since then has changed up his role the, not- the last two times they played playing further up the ground and, and definitely having an influence while another key forward for Waratahs Darcy Hopes played closer to home but good to see that A, he is listening to our show and B, he has a great sense of humour about him so I got those photos coming through. It all came in one hit. I got about eight messages from Waratah players. Oh look at this costume! So I think Magro definitely got best on ground in the costume department. <laughs> um, War. Rotar's winning the flag. Jacob, is that is that a surprise for you? On the surface,
0: not a surprise. I think you look at their team for the last two years in particular. Mm. I'm really happy for Ryan Ayres, their coach, who you know came through that Southern District system, and you know his mentor Shannon Rusk. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so it was good. It was good to see them two facing off against each other, and I'm really happy that Ryan got the job done. I, I feel. Like, he would have been pretty disappointed last season. And I think I spoke to him, actually, in the week before, and he seemed nervous. I was Mm. a bit worried about how nervous he seemed. And, yeah, so I'm I'm glad they got the job done for him.
1: Well, you would be nervous a little bit. Like, I think going in as the premiership favourites make you nervous by default. And then knowing that last year... Uh, they were a big chance to beat St Mary's. And, and I wouldn't say they failed completely, but it, it was uh, they're in front at quarter time by 12 points and then completely sort of dropped the ball in the second quarter and then it wasn't competitive in the last half. So you would be crossing your fingers and toes that you would have never... a... Repeat performance from that group. Do you think it's difficult coaching a team like Waratah? And and it's it's easy to get into the trap and say um, they're all interstate players and, and they're you know not really a local team or anything like that. But um, it is the reality in a way. Uh, a lot of players there, whether they're based in Darwin or not, um, and a lot were will go down south for a southern season. As a as a from a strength and conditioning perspective, do you think it would be hard to manage
0: a group that have more players that play all year round? Yeah, I think it's certainly harder from a strength and conditioning perspective to manage a team like that, but I'm kind of sick of this comment. This mm. If you want to bring the NTFL competition up to a higher standard, then this is what has to happen, and mm. this is what should happen. And I'm glad that it is happening. I spoke to people during the week who said that they were going for districts because there were more local players. There was still plenty of imports from oh. some, from districts. Yeah, that's
1: a very rich comment.
0: Yeah, but and to say that it was they didn't recognise any players playing for Waratahs. I just think that's a ridiculous comment. Hmm. You've got to put your best team on the park. You've got, to, you've got your fourth lines that you can have. You've got to be with that, within your, your points system. So he's obviously done all that, Ryan, the coach, and, and they've won it. So uh, good, good luck to them. Well done.
1: So we're both Darwin locals. I mean, I mean, people say they don't recognise the Waratah players. All you've got to do is go on a Mitchell Street on Sunday afternoon and then <laughs> and you'll be quite familiar with them. But uh, you, you, as a local, so you, we can talk about this stuff, you don't get offended that the southern players are infiltrating our, our, our beloved NTFL competition, do you?
0: No, not at all. I think that just raises the standard. As someone who played footy, and I, I went and played a couple, for three seasons I went back and played seniors, and... In that time, I played about 10 Premier League games. And so it's not a lot, but I have played Premier League. I'm not upset that I Mm. wouldn't get a spot over a guy from Adelaide or Brisbane who was a cracking player. That's that's your best team. You put your best team on the park. I have no concerns with that. And I just think all it does is actually raises the standard. Mm.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you're much of a betting person, Jacob, but I publicly went forward with my predictions before the game and I've got... Pint Queen Ants to win, and they were arguably not the favourite, given they lost a couple of weeks ago. I said Jasmine Hewitt for best on ground. That's a tick. Waratah to win by 17 points. I was wrong. They won by 18 points. And Matt Dennis to win the Chaney medal in a losing team. Now, look, as you can tell by the look on my face, I am quietly happy with myself over those predictions. If only I could have chucked them all in a multi. Have... And that's impressive, isn't it?
0: It is. I actually seen this on Facebook yesterday and I went, <laughs> oh, smokes, this is good. well done. That's a cracking tip, but I, and I wouldn't expect anything less.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. So, exactly, a, the mentee beating the mentor, is that right? I don't think I've got that right. Uh, Shannon yeah. Rusker was the coach of Southern Districts in 1718, the grand final when Ryan Ayres was an assistant coach. He definitely did a long apprenticeship, Ryan Ayres, and I don't know if you can touch on this. Feel free to jump in, but quite a good footballer uh, himself back in the day. He was a Darwin Buffaloes junior and got drafted to Melbourne Demons, um, sort of struggled with injury a lot, but I played some junior football at Waratah and he used to like make a cameo appearance once a year and play in the resies and he'd kick like three or four goals from centre half forward and absolutely dominate Um, but yeah, talented guy.
0: Very talented, so I played junior schoolboy footy with him and I remember there was a passage of play where he ran from right deep in the back line right through to forward and he just kept saying, hand pass it to a teammate and I was part of this chain hand pass it to a teammate and then demanded it back (laughs) and so you just gave it back and then the next one, hand pass it, demanded it back and then he kicked the goal, he has an absolute booming left foot he always oh, has yeah. rookie listed uh, with the demons and yeah very good size he's got all the physical dimensions and characteristics that you want of a great footballer um disappointed he didn't do more at afl level but yeah now obviously a great coach so
1: yeah i think injury's got him in the end i know um so i was doing a little bit of research and there's that Football Forum Big Footy and I typed in Ryan Ayers one day and I reckon I got a uh, like a thread coming up about how he dominated a game I think it was a VFL practice game so, so it wasn't an AFL game it wasn't even a, an actual VFL game but I think he kicked like six or seven goals in three quarters and everyone was like hey this is this is the next big thing um, and then yeah I mean I, I guess injuries took him over Shannon Ruska probably interestingly has a bit of a similar story like a dominant junior as a kid um, I think and I could be wrong you spend more time in the NTIS than I do but what's i don't know if you have any faster 20 meter sprint times but i think he had like 2.78 or something i know his name was on the board um a long time with the fastest 20 meter sprint time that they've recorded and this was done in like pre-2000 this was like 1999 or something yeah so. it was
0: in the 90s and he still holds that record for the fastest 20 meter sprint so and yeah, obviously yeah. he went to was it brisbane brisbane and then bulldogs yeah, yeah. But, so yeah. what did you make of the grand final in terms of coaching from the district's point of view Look, I think
1: it's an interesting one. I reckon that Ruska coached very well, and I think he has coached very well the last couple of weeks in the finals. Um, He earmarked that you need to stop Nate Paredes, Jackson Calder and Dylan Lant when they played St. Mary's the previous week and he did that effectively um, and he did that a little bit left field too like Fraser Driscoll on Jackson Calder was, was the no-brainer matchup but you had Dean Thornton who generally sort of does his own thing and, and finds his own footy do a tagging role and I know people get a bit hung up on, on the word tagging but it, it's exactly what it was. No one plays that defensive as what Dean Thornton did uh, on Dylan Lant and he absolutely smashed him. It was one of the better defensive roles that I've seen in the NTFL for a long, long Time. You had Lant, who averages 30 possessions and a couple of goals a game. He only had the 11 possessions, and he went forward and still had an impact in kick three. But you had Dean Staunton, the skipper, returning from suspension, coming the other way, getting 27 disposals himself. I thought, retrospectively, he probably should have got best on ground. Um, I know we rated a few other players just as high. But, yeah, uh, very, very good. And, I mean, like, it, it is daunting like when you are coaching a team that's lost by 48 points or 56 points, whatever it was, um, the previous time they met. And that was the situation that Ruska faced. But to get into a winning position late, I just think his troops couldn't hold on. You watched the last quarter, didn't you? Did, what, what did you make of it? Did Waratah just look like the fitter side?
0: Uh, I, well, I watched it on KO, which was crazy. Yeah, it was yeah, so, it just a, yeah. Big big win for the NTFL. Do you think that's a good, where do you think that's going?
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, at the moment, obviously, the live streaming option. So it's progressed over the years. We probably remember watching the NTFL where you could just go on YouTube and then uh, stream that up to the to the TV. Now, I, 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 I'm not a very technical-minded person. I don't know how to use a HDMI cord to save my <laughs> life. So I don't know. I don't get the NTFL, the NT News, um their subscription, their feed onto my TV. I just basically watch it on the laptop, and it's always a bit disappointing. When I click off off the tab to do something else for a while, go on Facebook or whatever, it stops the game, and it pauses it at that moment, and that's always annoyed me, whereas YouTube is a little bit more flexible. So I wouldn't say, like, I'm not trying to bag out the NT News. they got to do what they've got to do. That's probably good business for them, I can imagine. But um, I think they could be in a little bit of danger if if someone else stepped in like a KO and said, hey, we wouldn't mind buying the rights for this stuff because I think it's a competition uh, with plenty of interest. It's in a unique time of the year. If you're a footy head, and there's plenty of footy heads around um, between October and March, and you just want that footy fix, you'd watch the NTFL. It's a pretty good standard. So... Yeah, I think I think the NT News would be looking over their shoulder. What do yeah, you
0: reckon? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's a good step in the direction of the territory having their own AFL team. So, but to go back to your question about districts in the last quarter, so they had the lead mm. with what was it about five minutes yeah, left? It wasn't long. It was not long at all. And then all of a sudden, Waratahs went forward. I don't think it was a fitness thing. I, I think that it was just more a grunt type mm. thing from Waratahs that they just they won the contested ball, they got the ball forward, and then they ended up scoring when they kicked that goal you really felt like the momentum was just starting to shift. And mm-hmm. then when they kicked the second, it was sort of almost felt like it was done. And then obviously the third, it was just party time. Come exactly
1: on. right. And I think that, um, look, a great effort too, because the momentum had definitely swung back to the Crocs' favour. It wasn't a matter of both teams going goal for goal and Waratah just wanted it more. Waratah burst from the blocks. They were 20 points up at quarter time. And then districts took took the game off them, really. I think it was roughly the score was about, 38 or 40 to 20-something, to if you count the second and third quarters. Um, and they were able to, yeah, turn that into, uh, you know, anyone's game late in the last quarter. And then, of course, like you talk about Ryan Airs being nervous during the week. Can you imagine how nervous he would have been with five minutes to go? But his troops got the job done. Hey, Jacob, we will talk about the NTFL Women's Premier League Grand Final in which the Queen Ants pint Defeat of Waratah just after a short break. This is SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Jacob, we were talking about the Warriors, Waratah, defeating Southern Districts 10-10-70 to 7-10-52 in last week's NTFL Grand Final. We spoke a lot about Ryan Ayres. Uh, Shannon Rusker returning to Southern Districts, taking over from Matt Cannard again. We were talking off-air about his long-term prospects at the club. And, and I was saying before that he's such a such a strong figure around Southern Districts um, that he would... It would be remiss of Southern Districts, I think, to get rid of him, especially after a year like that. Get rid of him sounds very harsh, but, but you know, to look for a new coach and look for a new alternative. Um, he is a very influential man out at Humpty Doo, so he will be expected to continue on, I believe, if he wants to, in that role. Um you, if you were Southern Districts in charge of that football club, you would have to consider, well, not consider, you'd have to leave Shannon Rusker in that position and hope they can just go one further next year.
0: Yeah, well, the Rusker name at Districts is synonymous, mm. like, in the same way it is the Motlops at Wanderers. Yeah. And so, what, you know, when he's finishing in finals and then dropping out in straight sets a few years ago and they're sticking with him, they're certainly, as you said, off air mm. going to stick with him uh, when they've made a grand final and, you know, had the lead with a couple of minutes left. So I think... They've got a good foundation there and I can't see why you would leave and and go in a different direction at this point.
1: I think the interesting thing um, that I will talk about in the coming weeks with... Rob Hale and Raf Clark, when they return, uh, is Rick Nolan could potentially be a coach-in-waiting. We interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, and he he wants to coach uh, Premier League men again. He made that very clear during our interview that that would be something that he's interested in. So um, if you're a football club, uh, you know I don't know how much you've had to do with Rick, but if you're a football club in the territory, having someone like Rick available would always be a, a lure, wouldn't
0: it? Oh, for sure. I think... Rick is an amazing coach, and the, one of the best things about him is his video analysis stuff. So oh, he yeah. created his own pro, his own yeah. computer program <laughs> called what's it called Sports Clip Maker. Yeah, I actually, when I was with Wanderers and Palmerston, got both of those clubs to purchase that program, and we used it. But Rick, one of the things that he he said to me when he was showing me this program was that we do too much talking that's back to the 80s mm-hmm. you know before a game what he does before a game is he shows like pretty much 90 seconds of video and that's the last thing that they hear from him and see before they run out and it's typically two positives sandwiched with a negative in the middle mm-hmm. or not negative but what they're going out to try to negate from the other team or yep. try to to work on and uh and I just think the way he goes about all that video analysis stuff is really effective so if there's any NTFL clubs out there looking for a coach, he would definitely be right up there in conversation. Maybe uh, you know, Brenton Toy I think is a good is a good coach, but Tiwi is someone that you know they need mm. some change. Uh, maybe that's where they look. Or
1: well, I don't think to be honest with you, I don't think Rick would entertain coaching the Bombers. I mean, I don't want to speak for Rick. It might be a, a goal of his, um, but I think Rick said that he like he said on the interview that it would have to be a club that he fits in with and and Rick wasn't being the big dog and saying, "Oh, I'm going to pick and choose which club," but he was saying that he's such a fanatical football mind that uh, you know he couldn't coach certain groups in the NTFL, um, and and he met that with the utmost respect. And I understand where he's coming from. That some footy clubs that I've I wouldn't say been a part of, but observed aren't uh, don't have that meticulous approach to football that Rick would demand. Um, you know, you'd be in a group chat and Rick would be messaging you all Saturday morning saying, "Water, water, water. Drink at least eight litres of water," and you'd be like, "Gee," where there'd be some footy clubs there in locally that just don't have that professionalism that Rick would demand if you look at the clubs that Rick has coached St Mary's, the Queen Ants who we're going to talk about literally right now um, I'm just not sure whether whether he would fit in at every single club
0: before we do talk about the Queen Ants, what about Rick at a Nycliffe or a Wanderers? So, Buxy at Nycliffe and you've got Aaron at Wanderers. Mm. You know, It could be a similar thing has happened at both those two clubs where Nycliffe went with Damien Hale from Saints and then Wanderers went with Andrew, Andrew Hodges mm-hmm. from Saints. Um, had success, both of them, both I, those two clubs.
1: Look, I heard a sneaky rumour a couple of years ago that Rick Nolan was interested in the Darl Buffaloes job and take nothing away from any of the applicants or Cammy Stokes, who's an excellent coach in his own right. But that would have been very interesting. I would have loved to see what Rick Nolan could do with a group like the Darwin Buffalos. Um, I have heard a rumour, and this is strictly a rumour, that Ryan Ayers may potentially look to move on after that, that uh, Premiership win. And Rick at Waratah seems like the perfect fit, uh, you know, if he were to go to a club like that. I reckon. Um, I reckon he'd probably I wouldn't say create a dynasty, but that would make Waratahs a very hard team to beat in the coming years.
0: Oh, I agree completely. I think if he went to Waratahs, you'd look at them winning at least three out of the next mm. five premierships.
1: You'd have to think so. Speaking of Rick Nolan, his Queen Ants uh, are the NTFL Women's Premier League premiers after recording a dominant win over Waratah last Saturday afternoon. The Queen Ants twelve eight eighty defeated Warriors six four forty in the grand final Jasmine Hewitt as we mentioned earlier was the star and claimed the Williams medal with yet another best on ground performance look we don't want to make this the Ricky Nolan show but it was a great coaching performance by him and his group uh, turning around that loss to Waratah a fortnight ago Jasmine Hewitt what a star
0: oh she's unbelievable and uh, she was my tip for best on ground before Mm. the game and some people sort of said oh nah I think maybe go this way or that way but you just couldn't see her not winning that medal no. um, from pretty much from half time, halfway through. I was at this game live and watched it, and it was initially a very good coaching performance from Heidi Thompson, the yeah. coach of Waratahs, and Heidi is an amazing coach. She's worked with Brisbane Lions in the AFLW. She was the Women's Thunder coach. She's an absolute cracking person. She's an amazing person, and uh, I thought her coaching prayers would get her over the line speaking to some of the Waratah players they seemed pretty confident they they were more happy to be playing Pints than to be playing Saints mm. and so you know and, and halfway through that first quarter it all, you, you couldn't see Pints winning I, I thought Waratahs were going to run away with it it was two mm. goals to nothing Pints could not get could mm. not get the ball into their forward line and score. But then all of a sudden, I don't even know where it came from, but deep in that first quarter, uh, Pints ended up um, bringing, coming back. I think it was two goals, three Waratahs to two goals, straight Pints at quarter time. And then after that, it was just the Pint show. They oh, just yeah. dominated and, and then Waratahs just couldn't get it. They couldn't transition from defense into attack, mm. and, and let alone score. And then even when they did manage to get it into their 50, they just never really looked like scoring.
1: We are getting Rick Nolan on the show in about half an hour, so we said it wasn't the Rick Nolan show, but gee, it's quickly turning into that. <laughs> hey, um, you sort of touched on it a little bit there, but what do you think won it for Pint? Did you think that they just because? to put a bit more context in that, Pints were dead and buried the previous week against St. Mary's. Daniel Ponta came out on fire, had kicked three goals in the first half, and they won the unwinnable game. They were 19 points down at three-quarter time, which is a big, big margin in lower-scoring games, um, and they were able to overturn that and win. Of course, it was largely thanks. We talk about Rick Nolan, but Jasmine Newell won that game off her own boot as well. So it's a bit of a team performance, but you had Rennie Hicks and a lot of other on-ballers and players around the ground that played very, very well. What did you think when did when that momentum shift happened for Pints on the weekend? What did you put that down to? Did it look like a more structured team? Because again, we can't take anything away from Heidi Thompson, who's a terrific coach. We're not going to say she got out coached or anything like that. Did did their did their respective groups did Waratah get outworked by Pints?
0: Yeah, no, no well, I agree. <clears throat> Heidi did, certainly did not get out coached. I thought they were very well coached right mm. throughout the game. But where it looked like it shifted for me was just the contested ball. Mm. Uh, I mean, Jazz was winning it from the ruck. It right from the very beginning. Like the, her first tap, I think, went, went to advantage. And uh, I think, yeah, when, as she was... Her, her taps, her ruck work was just dominant, but then her work around the ground, her ability to continue to run. Um, I just felt like Pints were just winning all that contested ball and able to get more passages of play linked together, whereas it just seemed a bit more disjointed from Waratahs. It almost... I hate to say this, but it almost seemed to me like Waratahs were a bit of deer in the headlights type mm. stuff. And it just, they didn't almost on the field know where to turn. It almost felt like a lack of leadership. This is going to be a little bit inflammatory, <laughs> but it just looked like there was no one that just really stood up. Uh, I know Kira tried to and tried, you know, do a few dusties, yeah. and but it just it wasn't coming off. At no. Pints were just getting one, two, three players around the ball and then just smothering the Waratah players, and then they were able to run away with it.
1: Well done to the Queen Ants. We will talk a little bit more about the Premier League Reserves Grand Final, in which Banks were victorious. And we're hoping to get uh, Raf Clark on the phone to talk about his victorious Division Two St. Mary's team. Of course, Tracy Village won the Division One uh, Grand Final as well. But I reckon after the break, uh, Jacob, we are going to talk about the NTFL Under-18 Grand Final. Oh, this was be Maybe cracking. the most amazing junior game of football I've seen in a long, long time. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to Sen Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. We were just talking about the NTFL Grand Finals in which Waratah beat Southern District, the Women's Premier League Grand Final, uh, Queen Anne's beating Warriors, Jasmine Hewitt best on ground in the women's, uh, Maddie Dennis best on ground, in the men's, but um, you didn't even have to watch the games, you just had to listen to my predictions on Friday. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, let's talk about, uh, speaking of Friday, let's talk about the NTFL Under-18 Grand Final. It was an absolutely amazing game of football, as I said to you before. One of the most exciting games of junior footy I've seen in a long, long time. The Warriors came from behind to snatch a two-point victory over St. Mary's. Waratah 5-4-34 defeated the Saints 4-8-32. How about Dwayne Kirinua? What an absolute star. He kicked all five of Waratah's goals and was judged best on ground. Now, we've seen five goal games before, you know, be be okay but nothing too impressive. He was a one-man show in Attack for the Warriors and he kicked a couple of goals that I would have been so nervous. you got a 17, 18-year-old kid lining up. You got It was a big crowd. It was a good atmosphere there. And he had to kick Truly and he did. And that was an amazing game of football.
0: Oh, and that clutch goal, his fourth one, that mm. was unbelievable. That, Like you said, that was one of the... That, actually, that was probably the best junior game of footy that I've ever seen. Yeah. I've been to the last two Under-18 Grand Finals because there's a whole bunch of boys that I teach that have played in them. Last year it was Saints and Nycliffe. This year it was Waratahs and Nycliffe. Uh, sorry, Waratahs and Saints. And it was an absolute cracking game, but particularly that last 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. So the, Waratahs would, would go into their 50. They couldn't get it deeper than 30. It was three-on-one every single time. Mm. It would be a one-on-one, and then there would be two Saints players who would just sit back and then just take an uncontested mark, and they just rebound out the other side. And I said, someone at least has to go and man up one of these two guys. You've got to make it. Mitch Connors, for, for Rotas, I thought, was the best option to go down and just make it a, a two-on-three. But that didn't need to happen because in stepped Karanua. And <laughs> my goodness, he, he got a Jack Ginevan-type free kick. Oh, he's yeah. just thrown himself on yep. the ground and back. And he, he's got himself a free kick about 30 metres out on a 45-degree angle. This is the goal you're talking about. His nerves to be able to steady compose himself, kicked that goal which gave is that the one that gave them the lead I think
1: No, Well, his last goal right at the end, with not long to go, gave him the lead. I think there was about three minutes to go. So he kicked another goal uh, to put them within striking, just to put them within a kick. And then his last goal at the end gave him a two-point lead, which they hung on to.
0: Which they hung on to. And then, so then one of the Saints players came on. And as soon as, I can't remember who he was, might have been number 11, Mm. uh, I'm not sure, came on. And he caught my attention throughout the game. And I said, talk about you getting your tips right and and 17 versus 18 points, your tips for the (laughs) Waratah Premier League. I was almost right. I said, you watch. When this guy came on with about three minutes left, I said, he's going to win in the game. And he got the ball off half back and he ran the entire <laughs> length of the field. It was like he'd rub Vaseline over his entire body because no Waratah player could, could grab him. He slipped through. He got to about 35 metres out and ended up having to snap mm. because he was, you know, I think he was exhausted, but also just because of the sort of trouble he got himself into. And literally, you were there at the game. Yes. The, the crowd went... Silent from the moment it left his boot to the moment it went up. You could uh, hear uh, it and hit the post. Hit the post. <laughs> and you know what? I didn't even know it hit the post until I watched it back the next day. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a behind. And oh man, and that would have given, given them the lead Oh. Jacob, you talk about uh, like Leo
1: Barry, you star and some of the iconic grand final moments. Now, admittedly, this isn't the biggest stage, but I will go as far as to say, and you tell me if I'm exaggerating, but if he had kicked that goal, that would have been the single most amazing clutch moment that I've ever seen in a grand final. He literally, it would have been goal of the year in any competition around Australia. Absolutely. he stepped about three or four <laughs> blokes, ran, got three or four bounces, kicked that snap and then to hit the post. If he kicked that, I was like, oh my goodness, he's going to, put himself in St. Mary's Jr. folklore with that.
0: Oh yeah, that was head and shoulders bigger and better than Barry, uh, Leo Barry. Yeah. That, it, was, it was just crazy. like, And the crowd, the atmosphere was electric. And yeah. from both sides, Waratahs and Saints, it was... It was loud, wasn't it? Yeah, when that hit the post, then they ended up, they kicked it out, they took it down to the boundary and they, it went out of, out of bounds right in front of us in the mm. middle of the grandstand and uh, right in front of the umpire's race and yeah, uh, it was a fitting finish to finish right there. The Waratah crowd just went oh, nuts. Yeah.
1: yeah, I thought they played that very well, that last couple of minutes there, Waratah, Obviously, a high-intensity impact game you'd expect. And, and you know, at under-18 level, everything's got to be done at 100 miles an hour. But they really took the pace out of that game in that last minute. Went long went and forced stoppages, forced boundary throw-ins where there isn't time on, um, and played that very, very smart.
0: Well, maybe Carlton watched them last night.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, do you think they should keep that... Friday night time slot for the under-18s grand final. I thought it worked very well.
0: For sure, yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise, what time did they play? They're playing at like lunchtime yeah. and it was really hot in the Division 1, Division 2 and uh, and reserves grand final. So uh, that standalone women's and men's under-18 grand final on a Friday night, it just works so well. Definitely. Hey, it was a
1: big weekend for Waratah's James Arata. So he started Friday night as the premiership winning coach of that under-18s team for Waratah. And then... He, so he's been at. Waratah under-18s for a little while now I think leading the club through the good times and, and especially the bad times he's also been one of the longest serving players in the Premier League team having played over 100 games for the club so he went the double he got the under 18s flag as coach and then he got the uh, the big flag in on the weekend for the NTVL Premier League you do need to go very soon so we will throw to a break but I just want to know I'm going to rattle off a few names here who I thought were good and you tell me if you've ever heard of them or whether any of them are your kids at Darwin High so I thought Isaiah Bordock and Michael Romolo were Good for uh, St. Mary's, and I've got Jag McInerney, Cooper Best, Brody Ambuscado, and, and Xavier Blitner standing out for the Warriors. Were there any other players? Do you know any of those boys?
0: Yeah, I do. I think Oliver Paulson is another name oh, yeah. that I'd throw yep. in, no, into that, um, who I teach. And as I bought, I know his dad who mm. played in the grand final in the reserves for Banks. 300 gamer. Yeah. At Banks now. Um, and actually, I was watching this one on YouTube before I went down to the game for the women's. And he had a set shot, and the commentator said he does not miss. And I thought, oh, geez, Richie, this is a lot of pressure. And he, he did, he kicked absolute dead eye straight um but that name you mentioned cooper best he, he is a phenomenal player had a bit of premier league experience now and i reckon if there was going to be a competitor for those men's that premier league celebration cooper is right up there he partied very hard on uh saturday night i'd say the friday night too, straight after the game but certainly backed it up again on saturday
1: really well i think i uh i don't know i coached him in the under 12s back in the day and i mean he was only ten years old, but he wasn't much of a partier then. But
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no. he's eighteen. I think he's seventeen or eighteen now. So he's yeah, to the finest form.
1: Good on him. Hey, Jacob. Thank you very much for joining us. We do, you have, what time for the day? You've got to go to your, you've got three kids at Wollagi Primary School currently. Yep. So that's where you'll be going. I'm a teacher there at Wollagi. I actually had one more question before you go. I I undersold that. So Wollagi Primary School has Wade Dirksen, the Davey Twins, Alwyn and Jaden, Janomi Anderson and Jed Anderson, five kids. kids, five now adults, playing in the AFL at the elite level, that's a pretty good effort for a small school. Per capita, that might be one of the Darwin's most successful schools.
0: Yeah, it probably is, and it's it's a very big footy school, you know, mm, Cameron Carmichael, it. who yes. um, uh, yeah, so, who... That they did really well in their primary school comp last year. They played against the Holy Family, who just dominated, and that's full of the Anstess and the Vallejo yeah. kids. Um, uh, Kerry O'Connell is another one. Her son, yeah. Bo O'Connell, who's gone down south to, to play footy again, obviously a Nichols medal winner. Uh, so, yeah, um, those two, Kerry and Cam, absolutely love their footy, big Buffalo people, and uh, do really well. But a lot of those kids go on to Sanderson, and you talk about successful schools who have mm. students have gone into the AFL. That's Anderson. We're talking Stephen May, Troy Taylor. There's some. Yeah. Um, uh, Jed Jet Anderson, you know, who. That was an, obviously... We could, your talk, grade.
1: I could talk, yeah, exactly. I could talk to you all day. I was going to talk about how Stephen May was an in inclusion for the Melbourne team tonight. And then I was going to say, did you ever teach Stephen at Sanderson? Because at one point we had Stephen, Troy Taylor, Jed and Jordan Wilson uh, all in the one footy team. And gee, you walked a bit taller when Stephen May was your teammate.
0: Yeah, and I actually think I coached the Sanderson team when they combined with another school. And uh, Cameron Stokes was in yeah. that team as well. That was unbelievable. I don't think I coached much. I think I just said, you guys just go and play footy. <laughs> But
1: yeah, no, very good, Jacob. Uh, shout out to young Jax Andre, your son, the house captain.
0: School captain. School He's captain. His badge this today Jeez, at I'm underselling him.
1: <laughs> very, very good effort, young Jax. Uh, you enjoy that. You enjoy the Walagi assembly. Did you have fun today? I did. This has
0: been really good fun.
1: Thanks, mate. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. We had Jacob Andre, the fitness guru, on before, and we were discussing all of the NTFL action. Of course, Waratah were victorious in defeating Southern Districts and breaking a premiership drought. We now have one of the star performers, not just on the weekend, but all season for the Warriors. Dil Collis, do we have you on the line?
2: Yeah, we do, mate. How are you?
1: Very good, thanks, mate. Uh, Firstly, the obvious one, how does it feel to be a part of the Warriors' drought-breaking premiership win?
2: Yeah, it's uh, probably one of the better feelings I've had in a long time. It's, um, yeah, when the siren went on the weekend, the the joy that went through the footy team, the footy club, was something we haven't had for 23 years. Yeah, so it was it was unbelievable.
1: I can imagine sharing something like that with your brother would be a very special experience too.
2: Yeah, it was. Even like him, but then all the other boys that we've played with for the last four or five years, it's... um something been working towards we had the heartbreak of last year but we come back this year and yeah we learned a lot from last year and even just the losses this year that we got beaten pretty heavily in we learned so much from and um, we took that into the weekend game and come out on top which is nice
1: I tell you what, mate. You said last time we spoke to you on air that you you pride yourself in in your sledging ability, and and you've just got a bit more credibility now as an NTFL Premiership player. So you know you can add. Where's your medal around <laughs> around your neck? So very very good there, Dill. I'm looking forward to the sledges next year. Hey, what did Ryan Ayers say to you, your boys after the game?
2: I think it was sort of once we actually got a to- got some time to spend with ourselves, which was once we got back to the footy club, we went into the went into the rooms and we just sort of sat back and just had a bit of time to sit there and think because it's all a bit of a whirlwind for the hour, hour and a half after the game. But it was just a bit of relief, joy, everything that we've all worked so hard for. um, And to finally get that, it's just, yeah, it's unbelievable. And then we sort of spoke that the work he's put in doesn't go unnoticed But the time that he spends away from his family and everything. And then what his his wife does for the footy club is is Mm. massive. So... Yeah, it's all, all around. There's so much work that goes into it. And then when you get that, it just it tops it all off.
1: Did you get injured in the grand final? It looked like you were labouring a little bit late in the game.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of times. I, I think I sort of clashed knees or um, shins with someone when I went to kick the ball. And I was a bit wounded after that. And then so I got that taped up and I was sort of hobbling around. And then went to change direction just before three-quarter time. And then the hammy went pop. So... No, no. That was, uh, that was the point where I had to just call it, which was, was tough because I think there was only a goal in at the time. So you sort mm. of don't want to say you can't do anything, but it was probably just hurting the team, me staying on the ground.
1: Were you worried at all during the second and third quarters when Southern Districts really challenged you?
2: I think when they come out, like Luke Smith come out and kicked some pretty un- unreal goals. And then um, we went in at half time and I just sort of pulled the boys in and said, look, like... They are a very good team. They're going to come at us, but it's not going to be easy. It might come down to the last few minutes of the game, but we just need to keep cracking in. It was worrying when um, Sammy Dunstan comes and kicks a goal and puts him in front when he left us to go to districts over the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we kicked three, three goals to fire back after that, was a very nice feeling. I thought
1: you were one of the Cheney Metal favourites after quarter time. Uh, Jack O'Sullivan I thought was really good. Anchors was influential. Adam Goulden was very good. Um, you were on a self imposed drinking ban. Now I'm assuming you've broken that now. How did those beers taste on Saturday night and in your opinion who was best on ground during the week?
2: Yeah, they definitely they felt pretty nice for the next few days. Um, well, after Brodie Carroll kicked that the first goal to uh, the last goal of the game to to steal it, I don't think he's stopped drinking yet. So um, he's taken the three votes, and he's just shot off to Bali this morning. So it's not not stopping anytime soon for him.
1: Jaden Magro would have to be a close second. Then I loved his uh, his boogeyman outfit during the week.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, Magsy Magsy performed pretty well. He's he's um, he's slowed down now, but now nah, he's he's uh, Mad Monday kit was a good good bit of a laugh. So I hope the Whiz can see the funny side sort of that.
1: No, oh, I'm sure he would, mate. He's a, Wiz has got a great sense of humour. Hey, when's your first game at uh, Pyramid Hill?
2: Uh, so it'll be three weeks after after Easter. So it's all sort of booked in now. But I think I'll need every every bit of those few weeks. So <laughs> I'll play, yeah, three weeks after Easter, and then Brody will come down a bit later on in the season. So it should be yep. things are looking all right down there. So hopefully we can have a good season and back it up down there. Go back-to-back. Back. You staying up here,
1: though, in the off-season, so is that a flying gig or are you going to move down?
2: Yeah, no, nah, we'll both just be flying in. I've got to settle up into a new job up here, so I'll be up here for a few years, yet.
1: Very good, mate. I'm sure that's good news for all the Waratah supporters. Hey, Dill, just a quick one this morning. Thank you very much for joining us and enjoy the rest of your day.
2: No worries at all. Thanks, mate.
1: Plenty more to come here on SCN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter.
3: Heavy junior. Had played right on 100 games. There's a bit of a story around making sure that the 100 ticked over
4: because they knew that there was some talent coming through. Alwyn Davies Jr. time siren coming up. Kicks his first goal in the big time. And have a look at Dad. His twin brother, Jaden, and every bomber
2: player on the ground comes to celebrate that moment. Yeah,
1: it was an exciting debut for Essendon's Alwyn Davy Jr. He was told the news that he would be playing his first game by his twin brother, Jaden, at a club meeting last week. His father, Alwyn Froggy Davy and Uncle Aaron, who was a Demon star, were both in attendance. And his dad actually presented him with his number 29 jumper. I, it was great to see Davy make his debut. I worked with both the twins when they were about 10 and 11 years old, and they were always footy nuts. They always dreamed of playing on the big stage and embarrassingly I couldn't tell the difference between the pair and I worked in their class for about two years so that's an awkward one I hopefully their teammates can tell the difference but Speaking of Jaden, he is progressing well with his ACL rehab. He tore his anterior cruciate ligament last April and is currently increasing his training load. So I think he's running about seven or eight kilometres per session. So exciting times for the Bombers supporters. It would be great uh, to have both Davy boys running around. And while we are at it, it was also great to see Anthony McDonald tipping Woody. He's obviously had a long journey over the past 12 months. Uh, How about that roar too I mean when he kicked that goal It was never in doubt was it He loaded up on that long kick And and it just got there in the end But gee I think you had Hawthorne supporters Standing up and applauding too One of the most beloved figures uh, in the AFL Anthony McDonald, Tipton Woody And it's certainly great to see him back on the big stage Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end. We are hoping to be joined by Pint Queen ants coach Rick Nolan. We might check in with Raph Clark, who, who I don't know, I don't know why he's not in the studio. He might be nursing a sore head from all the celebrations after his undefeated Division Two NTFL Premiership on the weekend. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. We were talking about all the NTFL grand finals last week and of course Waratah Victorious in the men's Premier League with a win over Southern Districts and the Pint Queen Ants, forty point winners over Waratah in the women's Premier League. We are now joined by the victorious coach of the Queen Ants, Ricky Nolan. Do we have you? Yeah, good day, Drago, how are you? Very good, thanks, mate. Thank you for joining us. I know you have a very busy schedule. Uh, You'd have to be extremely proud of the way your players were able to overcome a loss a fortnight ago to win comfortably in the end.
4: Yeah, and then I suppose we're four goals down with seven minutes to go in the prelim final as well, so we escaped that one. So, yeah, played our best footy come grand final day, and girls train pretty hard. It's a really good reward for effort.
1: We'll talk a little bit about that. So, uh, absolutely thrilling win against St Mary's. Was that one of the better games? Obviously, you can't sit back and enjoy it because you were you were coaching. But that was one of the better games of women's Premier League football that I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, at least excitement wise, uh, just a great spectacle of football.
4: Yeah, it was. I I'm not, won't say it's the, the greatest win that I've ever had because that'd be a pretty big call, but. I think the scenes in the rooms after the game—I've never seen scenes like that in all my time in football. So, uh, the girls are really, really ecstatic. So, it just means so much to them. So, yeah, the scenes were probably—I'm not saying it's the greatest win I've ever—so I've never ever been involved in—but by God, the scenes after the game were the the best I've ever seen.
1: Mate, one thing, uh, now I've obviously never coached to, to your level, but we had a bit of a come from behind under-12s win when I was coaching and I was coaching down south and we come from 28 points uh, down for a bit of a drought-breaking win in, in one of the teams we haven't beat for a long time. And, mate, in these close games, I, I just all my strategy and, and composure goes out the window and all that sort of stuff. I can't imagine being in high stakes like a women's Premier League preliminary final, seeing your team 19 points down at three-quarter time and still having that belief. What was your message? to the group at three-quarter time?
4: Uh, just stick to the process. We've sort of done the work. So, and then I think footy is about having momentum. And once we got a bit of momentum, we just went sort of bang and the same on grand final day. So, yeah, it's just yeah, probably the message at three-quarter time like I can remember was just don't give up and see what can happen. And that's what they did. They didn't mm. give up. And then the, wheel, you know, the wheels just turned our way very, very quickly.
1: Were well, you surprised that the Saints didn't throw someone like Daniel Ponta behind the ball?
4: Yeah, they could have done it. It's easy to, it's easy to mm. sit back afterwards and say, You should have done this and you should have done that and uh, and that uh, it's that's, that's the easy thing to do and I think we all do that on Monday after every AFL game. So yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and say, Yeah, they should have done this or they should have done that because you just in the moment you just don't know. you know There's many times on a Monday off a Monday I've thought, Oh well, yeah, maybe we should have made this move, you yeah, know, should have made this move. So it's easy to say the time that um and that's what you just got that's probably why you have assistant coaches and people that have good people around you that jig your memory with that sort of stuff.
1: Strategically, did you look at uh, making any changes to the Danielle Ponta matchup? I thought that she was comfortably best on ground uh, in the first half, and we spoke about that on radio before the game, that, you know, she's a game-breaker and, and a player that, um, let alone being one of the best players or probably the best player in the NTFL, um, she's, you know, one of the most impactful players in the AFLW. Did you look at trying to do anything a little bit different after her first half?
4: Uh, no, it was a bit of a hard one because I reckon we only had one player that could possibly go with it. And I said to a lot of people, yeah, you know, it's like say, the districts were playing Waratahs on the weekend. If Mark Marcus Bonton had been playing for Southern Districts on the weekend, everyone would have tipped Southern Districts to win. And basically, that's what mm-hmm. St Mary's had on the weekend. They had she's not and I said it the other way. She's not just a good player. She's one of the best players in the AFLW. So um, yeah, we just so uh, a girl called Zoe McQueenie, who's really fit and really quick, went to us. Um, and she's played a bit of VFL football. At halftime, I just said, look, mate, you're the only one that can possibly get, get nearer, uh, so I'm just going to have to stick with you, and you're just going to have to persist and you're going to have to show a lot of resilience. Uh, and I thought in the second half, she was not, yeah, it wasn't as impactful as she was in the first half. But, yeah, looking for other players to do it. We had no-one in our team that could possibly go. Go, go with someone of that quality, and that's what I was pretty proud with Zoe. She just stuck to the stuck to the task, and yeah, it did nullify her a little bit in the second half.
1: Rick, we said on uh, Fridays in the top end when we were previewing the Women's Premier League final series that. Uh, and and obviously it's not as simplistic as this, but we were talking as a group that um, it was going to be Danielle Ponta versus Jasmine Hewitt, and obviously there is a lot of good names at Waratah as well, but we earmarked those two as potentially whoever had the biggest final series out of those two could go a long way in winning it for their team. Now, Jasmine Hewitt was phenomenal in the preliminary final, and she backed it up in the grand final. Tell us a little bit about her and what she brings as a footballer.
4: Yeah, she's she is as professional as anyone I've ever coached. You know, always doing extra, diets one hundred percent, zero alcohol intake. So she takes a footy very very serious. Obviously, she's just a, a superb athlete, but she's not just a great athlete. She works really really hard at the game. Like I can remember she didn't have the greatest first semi final. I didn't really go into why or whatever. But she just, like I can remember she just said, "I'll never have another game like that again." And I sort of, as a coach, you're like ripper. And then yeah, she's gone out in the preliminary final. Uh, yeah, and ripped that apart in the second half and then the grand final, she was superb as well.
1: Having coached uh, former and current AFLW players, do you think she has the potential to have more of an impact at that level?
4: Yeah, 100%. I think it's her first, I don't I'm not 100% over but her first the at the Gold Coast, the uh, Adelaide Crow, she was injured, injured a lot of the time. And she went to the Gold Coast. I don't think she really enjoyed it. You've got to enjoy the environment. Mm. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that you know, the football environment, that's also your living environment and all that. Didn't work out too well. Come back and then she went back to Adelaide um, and then played in the Premiership. Apparently she was dominating SAFL footy but just couldn't break in because I think they nearly went undefeated that year then broke in grand final day. Um, but as I said, that's the thing with women's sport at the moment. You know, she's just gotten a the Fire Brigade, which is a good career for the rest of her life. V, mm-hmm. giving that up to, to go down south. So she's uh, in a rock and a hard place. So I, I, exactly. I reckon if she if she was to give a real good go, and as some people develop later in life as well, I think she'd be, she'd be a phenomenal AFLW player. But then she's stuck between uh, a good career. V, is it worth giving that all up to, yeah, to possibly play five years of football? So And that's uh, unfortunately with women's sport at the moment.
1: Yeah. You've always got to be confident going into a grand final, but we're only human, mate, and obviously a loss last time you played Waratah. Anything can happen on the day, but how were you feeling in the lead-up and what was your message to the group?
4: Yeah, I was a little bit more confident. like usually the grand grand finals. I think I'm going to lose or win, and the ones that I that I thought I'm going to win, I usually lo- lose. So I was a little bit confident for a couple of reasons. Steph Lawrence had been a great player all year, and she rolled an ankle about three weeks out and just virtually didn't mm. train up until the first semi final, and she didn't have a real good first semi final. Had a great second half of the preliminary final. She's a great player, but I thought her injury probably set her back a, a bit. And the other one was, and she's a gun. The other one was Katie Stretter, who I think she only played one Premier League game all year, and I think she played about five B grade games, and was just building. And that's she just she'd had a baby, so that's why she was. A, you know, she and she hadn't played real well in the finals, but I just thought again she was building and had just had enough games under her belt to to, to rip a fi- rip a grand final apart. So they there are two people that I was hoping would play real well, and they did, and I think that really really helped.
1: What happens from here, Rick? Do you go out and you know leave, do a Shane Crawford and, and finish up with a premiership, or do you explore potential coaching vacancies in the men's Premier League?
4: Yeah, as I said last time I spoke, I do want to get back in the men's space. Now, whether that's next year or whether it's in five years' time, I just, sometime in the future, I'm really keen to get back into coaching men's footy. Probably the number one thing I want to do is coach uh, people that want to learn, you know, that really love mm. their game, and at the moment, that's that, that's the group I've got. I'm fortunate that I've got a group that just get to train and train. They've trained really, really hard, and they want to learn. And that's the group, That's that's what I'm chasing, and I've got it right now. So I don't know, if if I'm, if the problem, you know, a men's job come up that was really attractive with a really good committee, and you now they wanted me to coach them, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd certainly be open to it. Um, yeah. You know, if not, I'll, I'll stick to this unbelievable group that I've got at the moment.
1: What were your thoughts on the Men's Premier League Grand Final? Obviously, Waratah 18 points winners over Southern Districts. That was about what I predicted, not so much because um, I didn't think there was a, a gap between the two teams, but I thought, you know, as Grand Finals, they sort of, Grand Finals are a good evener up uh, and, and there's a lot of closer games in Grand Finals normally than what you would expect. Um, and I knew that Shannon Rusker would prime his boys and they'd come out to play. What were your thoughts on that game?
4: Yeah, sort of. When I watched the first semi between those two and Kirby Arnold got on top of Matt Dennis, I sort of thought, you don't poke the bear of a champion. Um, No, no. And I I sort of thought, uh, and I know Matt Dennis a a bit through because my brother's played in that same league that he played in, so I know him pretty well. I sort of thought that this bloke's going to be the difference between whether Tars are going to win it or not. I thought Tars would win. But, yeah, I just thought the the bear had been... Yeah, you poke the bear of a champion, look out. But that sort of went how I thought it was. I thought Matt Dennis was going to absolutely dominate uh, and maybe have got districts out of the line. But I thought Tars were a better side on paper and, that, and then obviously Tars have got over. So the grand final point pretty much how I thought. I thought Tars would get over the line, but I, I just was very worried about Matt Dennis ruining their day.
1: Yeah, you and me both, mate. I predicted Dennis for the chaining because and it was exactly what you said about the poking the bear situation. We were at the Nichols medal and I had a chat with Matt Dennis and and he pulled me aside and said something along the lines of, I love that you wrote that Arnold, uh, you know, broke even or or beat me and and I'm not going to let that happen again. And geez, mate, I tell you, for a guy that was just enjoying himself at the Nichols, you could see that determination in his eyes. And even though it wasn't quite enough in the end, you knew that Dennis wasn't going to leave any stone unturned to his performance. Hey, how are North Melbourne I'm going to go this year?
4: Yeah, so far a good win, but I suppose we we beat the, the second bottom side, so we can't get carried away. But I think things... I, when I go, to, I go to Melbourne a, a bit, and I'll just... Uh, usually I'm heading there soon. I'll just go and watch AFL, as many AFL club trainings as I can, and I, I never miss North Melbourne training. So I was actually in Melbourne about two weeks ago and watched North train, and I just... Sometimes I used to watch North train and go, God, I reckon St Mary's train at a higher level, a so higher level than what, what this is at the moment. Um, but then I watched it, as I said, about a month ago, about two months ago and I was really impressed. The first time I walked away going, oh, that, that, that trainer was, you know, of a, of a good standard, of a great standard. That's awesome. So, obviously, Clarko's got them turned around. They've gone to the draft. They've got good young kids coming through. Uh, and probably, if they come bottom of the ladder talk, down the bottom for another year or two, probably to get that stock up. But I do think they're heading in the, you know, it's a club I love and it's a, they're heading in the right direction.
1: Mate, I don't know another guy from Darwin that attends as many AFL games as you do. How many did you go to last year, and, and what's on the schedule this year?
4: Yes, yeah, so I'm heading to Melbourne. I'm actually in Airs Rock right now. Um, mm-hmm. Doing a bit of a stint here with work. Yeah, then I'm going to Melbourne, and I'll, yeah, I'll probably go to about four games a weekend, and I'll probably head to as many trainer runs as I... I tra- probably head to about five trainer runs a weekend as well. So I love going down to Melbourne for about four to five weeks and just yeah, smashing AFL football.
1: Do you see that as a bit of an educational thing too for your coaching? So when you're going to training, are you watching to see how these clubs train and try to implement some of that stuff back home?
4: Yeah, 100%. So my main reason I go to train, and I watch a lot of local clubs train, network with a lot of the best coaches in local mm. footy as well. So I always say every conversation I have is a, is a personal development to me or a PD to me. So I go down there and network with as many people as I can so then I can come back to implement implement that down south. and uh, Sorry, back in Darwin. And I've been, had four stints the AFL clubs as well for a one-week stint, mm. so that's really, really helped. And the funny story, I was watching Richmond train over the fence, uh, well, I think it was, this time last year and Xavier Clark and Maurice Rioli and Daniel Rioli spotted me and I've come over and yeah, said g'day and that I was just on punt road overlooking the fence and then Xavier rang me up the next day and said oh do you want to come in You know, be a guest to Richmond for the day and that was just I was inside the inner sanctum it was just so being I've, I've been exposed to a lot of that stuff that so really really helps
1: No, I can imagine alright last one from me you have to pick one Harry Sheasel or Jason Horn Francis
4: Harry Sheezel every single day of the oh. week
1: Jeez, you got, your, you got your blue and white hat on there, mate. But um, no, look, I, it's very hard to argue. He's had his 34 touches uh, on Debu, which was very close to a record. I think it is a record for an 18-year-old, but I'm just as excited as old JHF playing at, um, yeah. at Port. He looked pretty good last week, didn't he? Uh,
4: he looks awesome, but he's broke my heart, so I'll be on with you with now.
1: <laughs> Ah, fair enough. Junior Rioli can be your favorite port uh, recruit. He's, he's done a lot of good work for you when you were coaching some Mary's. Hey, Rick, very uh, good to have you speak again. Uh, congrats again on the Pint Queen Ant victory and enjoy the rest of your day.
4: Cheers. Thanks, Jacko.
1: Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Well, welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. It is time for... To speak to Andrew O'Toole, NT Thoroughbred Racing, it is simply the best racing entertainment in the Territory. Andrew, do we have you?
5: Yes, you do. Good morning, gents.
1: Thanks very much, mate. It's just me. It's just me, and, and unfortunately, you've drawn the uh, short straw. I'm the only guy that normally is talking to you that has absolutely zero idea about racing. So I'd <laughs> love to hear about your thoughts on how last week went.
5: Yeah, look, it was a really good day uh, last week, the St. Pat's Day meeting, always one of the big ones on the calendar here in the top end. Uh, we had a, uh, a nasty storm that went through about race three, which um, threw a, a bit of a spanner at us. But um, that said, we got through the day. The feature went the way of the, the Gary Clark train, Siakam, uh, beat the stablemate home, influential Jack. So well under Gary and uh, rider Paul Denton. It was his, um, uh, the, only race, the only feature race that was missing off his CV in the top end was the St. Pat's Cup. He was uh, aboard C. Arkham, So congratulations to Dash for getting that, uh, that missing uh, piece of the jigsaw.
1: Yes, very nicely done. Hey, I heard it's a really, really big week uh, coming up. Plenty on the schedule?
5: Yeah, to, we race today actually um, in yep. Darwin with uh, the Alice Springs meeting uh, tomorrow as they head towards the uh, build up to the carnival down there. The first day of uh, the Alice Carnival in two weeks' time. So looking forward to that meeting in the Red Centre tomorrow. Only a four race card in Darwin today. That's not unusual after St Pat's Day. We often uh, drop away in numbers uh, this time of the year with horses either having a break or heading to Alice Springs. Um, and uh, just a couple of scratchings on the day today. Probably the best bet of the day, uh, to my mind, is in race three, number two, El Magnificence. Uh, been racing well, one last start. Uh, Wayne Davis goes aboard for Phil Cole. And uh, in the uh, race, uh, on the first on the card, I think we can get the chocolates uh, early here uh, with number four, Del Viento. Never went round last week after getting away on the way to the start. So it was a late scratching. Gets his chance today. Paul Shire's aboard for Chloe Baxter. She's been doing a great job with her little team. So, my best today, uh, race one, number four, and race three, number two.
1: Very nice, Andrew. I'll write those ones down. You have a very good weekend, Ah, mate. Thanks for joining us.
5: You too. Thanks very much, mate. All the best.
1: Thank you. NT Thoroughbred Racing, simply the best racing entertainment in the territory. Hey, how good were those Riolis last weekend in the AFL? Daniel Rioli was sensational last Thursday night, arguably best on ground and received the maximum 10 coaches votes, 27 disposals, and his rebound was excellent all night. I Honestly, a potential All-Australian season, if he can keep that form up and Richmond can win enough games. I thought Morris was really good as well. Finished with two goals and was sharp around the big sticks. Just continues to improve. Still only 20 years old. Um, while we're at it, let's shout out to Jesse Motlop who started the season pretty good too uh, And Junior Rioli, how brilliant was he in his first game for Port Adelaide last weekend 16 disposals, 3 goals, 4 tackles and all the attention went to the power but, uh, gee, Junior Rioli's going to be a great pickup as well We have got the victorious the victorious Division 2 coach for St. Mary's who is fresh off a premiership last weekend Ralph Clark, how are you?
3: good, mate. How are you, yourself?
1: No, not too bad. Hey, I missed you in the studio this week. I'm sure you'll be back very, very soon. But let's talk about your flag last weekend because because that's what we would have opened the show with today had you have been in here. Did you feel any pressure going into the game as the hottest of hot favourites, or did you just think, nah, look, we've got this in the bag?
2: I
3: uh, sort of there was thinking, yeah, we we might have been too good, but um, always when you go and unseated in any um, division, you know, the... To go all that way and have no losses, it just puts more pressure on you, I guess, and um, that's, that was a big thing because uh, Pines did come ready to play, and yeah, they they pushed pushed us the whole way. So credit to Pines.
1: Yeah, you would have been happy with how it all went—a pretty comfortable win in the end. Did you get any complaints about the 9:30 a.m. start time?
3: Uh, yeah, mate, because um, the, the clouds are finally gone, and it was probably the hottest day we've had all season. So. I think that's what the boys um, complained about more was the the heat and, um, you know, the the way it took it out of them so quickly. So, um, yeah, they were all buggered, that's for sure.
1: I flicked on the live stream and was sweating watching that, so I couldn't imagine uh, couldn't imagine what it would have been like to coach or, or even play in person. Yeah. Hey, Henry Labastida, Iggy Vallejo and John Anstess, 26 NTFL premierships between that trio, and they've added another one on the weekend at Division Two level. It's great to see them still running around. I can imagine those boys would have been very fun to coach. Yeah,
3: mate, definitely. It made the job a lot easier. Like I said, it was all about catching up with all the old boys and having a kick in a bit of a last this season, and... Uh... You know, last few years, my footy hasn't, I haven't enjoyed my footy as much and um, just sort of bring the love back into the game. Um, been out running around with all the older brothers um, and each, even my, personally, my oldest brother Andrew Clark and younger brother Maris mm. came down and had a few kicks. So, um, you know, it was all about just having some fun and having some good times and is what we did. So I think that's why everyone enjoyed it.
1: Another one of my favourites was Aiden Hill, and he laid a couple of bone-crunching tackles. He suffered a terrible knee injury during a Premier League game in Alice Springs about a decade ago, and has never really been right since with that knee. Um, I played in that game and was sharing a room with his brother Daniel at the time, and it was a bad, bad injury. It's good to see him back playing socially, at least. Um, how did he go on the weekend?
3: Yeah, he was good, mate. Um, typical Aiden Hill, like was one of the first there at the game, ready to go. You know, went one of his knee straps. Like he's, he's professionalism when he comes to playing footy and, and stuff like that, which you, you'd know. And just to see him running back around, smiling, having fun is that's what, my, what I mean. Like you know, having a lot of older boys back, you know, haven't played a lot of serious footy for a while. And yeah, that's what it all, all is about. So good to have another champion and Aiden Hill from our footy club back out there.
1: Henry Labastida judged best on ground. Who were some of your other better players?
3: Uh, I thought Chrisy May um, was a standout as well. He, he played in the ruck um, and, and just ran all day. Um, Connor Schiller, across half-back, was another one. But then again, he had Iggy and Johnny right next to him helping him out the whole time. <laughs> um, also, the Chester brothers didn't didn't stop trying all day. Um, but, yeah, I think our forward line, buddy, finally woke up in the in the second half. Um, that has been our um, yeah, bloody hard, hardest thing all year, having a forward line ready to go because... I expected them to kick straight mm-hmm. goals um, by the halftime, but the weather they had and the conditions, but, yeah, <laughs> not
1: to be. Awesome, Raph. Thanks very much, mate. Hey, look, we're looking forward to having you back uh, in the studio next week. You take it easy.
3: Thanks, fellas. Cheers.
1: That was Raph Clark, the victorious coach. Well, we are just about finished here uh, in the the Rain and Horn Studios for SEN Fridays in the top end. A little bit different today. We wrapped up all the NTFL stuff. We had Jacob Andre, but make sure you join us next week when we have Robbie and Raph.